Tonight, I uh, want to talk about a love that stands. How many has ever had someone say to you, I love you? Okay. All right. Some of you have never had that happen. You didn't raise your hand. Look this way. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm talking to you. I love you. Talking to everyone. Now, let me ask again. How many has ever had someone say, I love you? Okay. How many of you think they meant it? How many of you think, have you ever had someone tell you that and you know they did not mean it? Okay, it was just polite, is that correct? Sure, a love that stands. You see, some have said, well, love makes the world go round, you know? The Bible doesn't say the love of love is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And when you're in love with uh, something or someone, uh, the greatest love that we should have is the love that we have in Jesus Christ. You believe that? Well, how much love do you need to survive? How much do you think you need to survive? How much love do you think you're, uh, those of you that are married, how much love do you think you need to survive a marriage? You know, is love a two-way street? Is it two-way street? Uh, is love 50-50? Love is 100-100. What it says, you know, well, what is love? And how do you receive the benefits of love? Those are all good questions. And do you feel loved? You say, well, I felt rejection, and I, uh, right now in my own home, I don't feel love, you might say. Or on my job, I don't, I don't feel the love. Or in my family, I don't feel the love. And what that means is, is we've chosen to register love. Instead of accepting love as a whole, we register love. We say, if you get above five, that means you love me. But if it's below five, I really don't think you love me. I think you might tolerate me. Now, I want to talk about three areas for a moment. Hopefully, that will help us. And those of you listening online, uh, be careful. I want to talk first off about tough love. Say that with me, tough love, tough love. Here it is, Matthew five thirty nine. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. And if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn him the other also. Be honest now. How many think that'd be a pretty hard deal right there? Yep. Let me ask it again because some of you I know didn't raise your hand and you needed to. How many think that'd be a pretty hard deal? There you go. Thank you. I got it then hard deal. And yet that's what the Bible says. I want to do what the Bible says. You turn the other cheek. The scripture describes tough love. It says that tough love is that which goes against the tide. It goes against your human nature. Tough love is hard to deal with. And not only that, as it goes against the tide, usually tough love is reactionary. 
as opposed to an initial action. And by that I mean, okay, uh, it looks like I'm going to have to demonstrate tough love. I can't get them to cooperate. I can't get them to do right. I can't get them to endeavor to honor. So I'm just going to have to do the tough love thing. And the example of that manifestation of tough love usually signals the center of a person's heart. And I'll give you an illustration. The other night at the Teen Challenge Banquet, I had a lady that came up to me and she said, she said to me, uh, Pastor Blackburn, she said, I had to use tough love. I said, okay, I understand that. She said, let me tell you what I mean. We raised our, our son in Bethel Baptist Church here in uh, North 98 there. And then during the high school years, he actually changed and came to victory. It was a part of the youth department back when Kurt Seberg and Pam were here. And, uh, and somewhere along the line, got off track and got into drugs and got into alcohol. And everything that we had taught him, everything that we believed him for and the life that we wanted him to live because we had trained him and taught him, he just turned. He didn't like us. He didn't, he didn't like to come to the house. He stayed away. He drank. He got in more trouble than you can imagine and embarrassed our entire family. And then finally, she said, Sheriff Judd put him in jail. And when he put him in jail, now how many know the difference between jail and prison? Jail is the holding cell. There in Bartow or South, South Frostproof there, that's the jail. Prison is when you go to the big house. You're out from under the local jurisdiction, and now you go from jail to prison. And she said he got in jail. And after sobering up and not being on the drugs, of course, he called and said, Mommy, Daddy, I need your help. I, will, I need your help. Here's what she said. We had a huge decision to make. Do we run to his aid because he's saying, now I need help? Or do we say, son, let me tell you something. You have sown seeds of sin and difficulty, and we're going to watch you work yourself out of your trouble. Do you understand? She said, Pastor, you can't imagine the big risk that we were taking. Why, we didn't run to him in his time of trouble. Well, he may never talk to us again. We thought he doesn't talk to us now. The bottom line is, God, if you're going to do something, you're going to have to do something through the power of tough love. And she says, we stood back, and that was the hardest thing that we had to do. Now, eventually, she said, we stepped to the plate at the appropriate time. But we didn't run down there and bail him out and say, son, Grady Judd has mistreated you. And oh, my Lord, come on back to church with us and do that. She said, we let him realize what the consequences were of his sin, of his rebellion. She said, it was tough love and the toughest time of our lives. She says, but look at him today. I said, yeah, he's doing a great job. She said, when he got out of prison, he went to Teen Challenge. When he went to Teen Challenge, he really got right with Almighty God. There he met as a leader in Teen Challenge. Once graduating, he met his wife there. 
And look at them today. Dan and Holly are the directors of the Teen Challenge here in Lakeland, Florida. Hello? Why? Because a mom and a dad said there needs to be some kind of tough love that is experienced. I parents ask me all the time, what am I going to do? Now, I'm not saying, okay, I've got tough love and I'm bitter in it. You're going to suffer. Tough love says, buddy, you just need to get down the ringer. That's not the attitude of tough love. Tough love says, we love you. We care about you. But at the place that you're at now, it's difficult for us to wrap our arms of approval around you until God, until God intervenes into your life. Everybody understand? Tough love. You say, well, I don't agree with that. Take it up with Jesus, okay? Matthew 5, 46. Here's what he says. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Everybody despised the tax collectors. Why? Well, we know that the Roman Empire, they had their taxes, Let's say, uh, let's, let's say taxes uh, in your life on your salary. Roman government says 25% of whatever you made goes to the Roman government. You got to pay your taxes, all right? And it wasn't, boy, you can be a tax evader. They found you. You go to the tax collector, and the tax collector would look at you and say, you know what, I really don't like you. I just really don't like you, and I think, here's my fee. I'm going to add another 20% onto that 25%, and that money comes to me. Or the tax collector might say, you know what? You're as crooked as I am, and I really do like you, so I think I'm only going to level a 5% tax on you, and let's just, let's just keep covering one another's back. Everybody despised the tax collector. And Jesus is saying, if you only love those who love you, what have you done to illustrate the power of Jesus Christ? So tough love happens to be and requires certain unique characteristics if you're going to function in tough love. How many of you have some people that you just don't like? Y'all a little slow tonight, aren't you? You don't want to admit anything, do you? Well, I don't, not that I don't like anybody. Let me rephrase the question. How many of you have some people get on your nerves? Oh, boy, the whole house goes up. Now, that's about the same question, twisted in a little different tough love. Let me give you some of the requirements as it relates to, to tough love. Number one, it maintains control. Tough love maintains control. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 39. Somebody slaps you in the face. You do what? You turn the other cheek. Is that it? How many of you know it takes absolute control to turn the other cheek? And there's no control necessary for you to slap the person who just slapped you. You don't need control to do that. You just need a get-even spirit. Tough love says, I use discipline because I turned the other cheek. And then we know that it turns the other cheek, maintaining control. It says, it does not retaliate. I'm not coming after you. Romans 12, 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Did you hear that? Don't repay them evil for evil. You did that to me, buddy, just wait. I will get even. I'm coming after you. It'll be in the middle of the night, but I'll get you. 
you know. It'll be a drive-by so you can look out. I'll be coming after you. And be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Now, that makes it worse. Don't repay uh, anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of every person. Okay? So he says, don't retaliate. Don't let that get in your spirit. Don't just control. You control the innermost part of your being. If you let that happen, bitterness, resentment, all kinds of things that are ungodly will fill you up. And then be nice. Here's another in maintaining control. Be nice to your enemies. Be nice to your enemies. Paul writes in Romans 12, 20, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, what are you supposed to do? Feed him. If he's thirsty, what are you supposed to do? In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. That's what I want. If I give him a little water and put a little food, and in order to put burning coals on his head, I'll give him food and I'll give him water, bless God. What's wrong with that? It's not the attitude of Christ. It is retaliatory. It's like feed him with a sincere heart. Give them drink with a sincere heart. And he says, when you do, then you are in control. And God then says, boy, if you think they will get away in their heart of hearts and in their life, get away with doing that to you, you've got another thought coming because nice and love always wins. It wins. The second thing in maintaining control, the next thing, it demands a decision. It demands a decision. For tough love to be exemplified, it has to be a choice. We're going to make a logical, reasonable decision. Sharon and I have lived, hey, always tolerate those who want to bring harm to you. Give them the benefit of the doubt. They didn't mean the curse words that they cursed you with. They did not mean that, you know. They just didn't. You give people the benefit of the doubt. Tough love says it's a choice. You see, every confrontational opportunity that you face in life or in business has an intersection of choice that the opportunity to make that decision as to what you're going to do, as to whether you're going to turn that other cheek, to whether or not you're going to give them water, whether or not you're going to give them food, brings you to an intersection of choice. What am I going to do? How am I going to manage that? Example, Peter in Matthew 26, verse 50, the Roman guard, you know, came to arrest Jesus. Peter was there. The unique thing about it is that Peter had already been told by Jesus that it would happen. And when the Roman guard laid hands on Jesus to arrest, what did Peter do? Peter, at the crossroads of decision, made a willful decision to reach for his sword. Now, don't you think he went blank in his head that Jesus had already said that's going to happen? Well, I tell you what, if they ever talk to me like they talk to you, you just better get ready. I'm going to tell them off. Well, you might as well go ahead and tell them off. How many understand the point? If you're setting yourself up for retaliation as opposed to say, I come to the point of choice. 
If that happens again, here's what I'm going to do. The point of choice always, always will stare you in the face. It was the crossroads of choice, and tough love demanded that he remain in control. Tough love said, nope, I'm not. Jesus is Jesus. He's the Son of God. He's told me it's going to happen. This is his fight. I'm just going to maintain control, but it called for a decision. And when it called for a decision, here's what. He drew his sword, verse 51, and struck the guard's ear off. And then Jesus shared what happened when he failed to make the right choice for exercising tough love. He said, if that's the way you're going to live in your life, live in your marriage, live in your church, live in your relationships, live on your job, he said, so all who draw the sword will die by the sword. You'll go from one confrontation to another, to another, to another, one sword fight after another, to another grievance after another grievance after another grievance. And he says, that, that's what happened. You will live by the sword. That's how you deal with issues in your life. Tough love is going against the natural tide of human instinct and choosing to do, here it is, the godly thing. What would Jesus do is more than a bracelet, the godly thing. But is it possible? And we believe that under the anointing of the Holy Spirit that it is. Matthew's Gospel 5, verse 44a says, But I tell you, love your enemies. Say that with me. Love your enemies. Let's say it again. Love your enemies. And sometimes... You live with what you might consider an enemy. Now, I'm not mentioned at all the demonic forces that stirs trouble in any relationship, whether it be marriage, whether it be business, whether it be relations, whether it's your family, that there is that, that stirring of the enemy to create circumstances. Now, what do you think the enemy's going to do if he knows that you're going to make a decision to retaliate every time? What do you think the enemy's going to do because the person that, that may be giving you a fit certainly is a blood-washed individual. What do you think the devil's going to do? They're going to push your button over and over and over and over again until you show the enemy, hey, I'm in control. My temper, my nature, my human nature is not in control. I am making a decision to do the godly thing. I've made my mind up to love my enemies. Or those that you might think your enemies. Some people think they have an enemy, and the person that they think is their enemy has no idea that you think that they are your enemy. Love your enemies. And then number two, gentle love. Gentle love. John 13, verse 35. Y'all are out there tonight. I'm, I'm getting about the same response from you guys as I'm getting online there. <laughs> gentle love. How many of you are a lover? That's not a trick question. Okay, how many of you are a hater? Okay, see, you didn't do anything. Do you think there's an in-between? I'm a half-hater and a half-lover. Hello? 
You know why that is? Because you love what you like to love and you hate what you like to hate. But here's what Jesus said, love your enemies. You don't get to hate. And I say if we practice love your enemies, I wish you wouldn't preach that message tonight, Pastor, because I, I had some things on my mind tomorrow at work. I was just going to give somebody a piece of my mind, and now I'm under conviction I'm not going to be able to do it. Take them out to lunch. Buy them some water. Amen? Gentle love. By this, all men will know that you are what? My followers, if you what? Love one another. Now, if we just hold right there. <laughs> if you constantly make choices that retaliates, choices to hate, choices to get even, choices to keep that person away from you, Tell me this, uh, what qualifies you to be a disciple? What quali qualifies you to be a follower? But here's what he says. This is what qualifies you. That all men will know that you're my disciple if you resist one another. If you hate one another. If you tolerate one another. But it says if you love love me tender love me true cause I can't stand you <laughs> Romans 12 verse 9 love must be sincere so you can't fake it you shouldn't fake it many can hate what is evil and cling to what is good See, here's why God knows every person he created can be lovable. Every person. He created people in his own image. We learn to be haters out of human nature. But if you're not going to be a hater and you're going to be a lover and you're going to be motivated by the Spirit of God, in fact, God will give you a special anointing. If you want to be friendly or be, have friends, you got to do what? Be friendly. You got to show that love. So here we go now. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, but cling to what's good. What's good? Having control. What's good? Loving people. What's good? Loving your enemies. What's good? Forgiving. What's good? Being sincere. It says arbor or hate which is, and then hate evil. That word arbor means extreme dislike, but the other side, you cleave to that which is good. You say, I, I, despise, I have an extreme dislike. You know, I have an extreme dislike for that person or that situation. I have an extreme dislike. But here's what he says. No, you reach over there and grab what's good. You grab what's good. You grab hold of what's good, what you know to be right. You make the right choice. You don't pull that sword out. You don't go around and say, buddy, when I'm in their presence, I cannot stand them. God doesn't give you permission to feel that way. Nowhere in Scripture. 
Nowhere. What do you do? It's called gentle love. Gentle love. I almost said gentle, but it's gentle. Amen? Is seizing an opportunity to manifest a servant's heart. My father-in-law, Joe Jasso Sr., was one of the most humble servant guys that you'd ever want to meet. Never heard a fly. Genuinely uh, a, a man of God. Loved Jesus with all of his heart. Believed that with all of my heart. I'm thinking, wow, that was just the way he was. You say, well, it must have been his DNA. He had every reason not to be that way, believe me. But he chose to be that way. You see, here's, here's the beauty. Gentle love seizes an opportunity to manifest a servant's heart. In every relationship, someone must initiate gentle love. Now, stay with me because this gets a little sticky in here, okay? It's the story of Mary and Lucille. How many remember that story? In Luke 10, verse 38. Martha, thank you so much. Correct the preacher before God and everybody. Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha. Here's a good illustration of gentle love. Jesus came to dinner. What did Martha do? Martha did what Martha always did. Martha was about getting it done. Martha was about don't let any grass grow under your feet. Martha was about hey, dinner is going to be served at 12.15, and we are a long ways away. We have got to get busy. Somebody shine up the silver. Somebody get ready for the placemat. Somebody be sure the food is warm. That's what Martha is about. So Jesus came for dinner, and Martha is revved up, and she's beginning to do those routine, routine chores. But, oh, Mary, oh, Mary, Seize the moment. She sees the moment to be gentle. She made her way over to Jesus. Now, listen, let's be real. Don't you think Mary knew the minute that she was going over to Jesus' feet to do what she intended to do, that it was going to upset Martha? Don't you think she knew that? Don't you think she knew that Martha was going to rise up on the inside and say, Mary, get over here. All you ever want to do is go over and sit around and play around. Come over and help me get this table set. She knew Martha's response. And you know what? Other people in your life and where you work, they know that when the particular combination comes about, they know how you're going to respond. They know, buddy, they'll draw their sword at the drop of a hat. And yet in this situation, Mary went over. Did she not care about Martha? No. She cared more about this opportunity Jesus was giving her. She went over in Luke 10, verse 42. But only one thing. How many things? One thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You see, often unless that we're trying to win a person's favor, we're not sensitive to seizing a moment to exercise love. How many, how many remember when you were dating? How many didn't date? 
You just slam bam and let's go to the judge and get married. How many remember when there was no armrest in the seats and it was smooth all the way across? May I tell you something? Uh-huh. I saw a couple the other day, forget that armrest, she's setting up on the armrest. So that looks crazy. Come here, baby. Come move over here, side daddy. Hmm? Where you want to go? You want to get something to eat? You just tell me where you want to go. Oh, yeah, you must have known I don't have a lot of money. McDonald's, is that right? Yeah. That's good. You mind if we eat it in a car? Hello, you mind if I hit the drive-thru? Oh, yeah. She says, I just love you so much. You're so sweet and you're so kind. You're so tender. You're so precious. How many french fries you want, baby? We want them hot. Y'all with me? We're going to be real sweet. We're going to be real gentle. Because we have something we would like to possess. Everybody understand? I love him so much because he gets the door for me every single time. And I really like it when he opens his door and I get to get in that way. We just feel so close. So they get married. Ninety days later. Woman. Can't you cook? Get the door, okay? I mean, why should I get your door? You ought to be getting my door. I mean, I, I'm the one that makes the bacon, putting it in the frying pan. You see, it's amazing that once we possess something, we, we no longer want to be gentle. We want to be possessive. Anybody listening out there? Yeah. You women that are not married, make them sign a contract. You see, here's the, here's the challenge. The gentle part of love, the part that honors, and listen, let's go ahead and give it up. We are all guilty, in my opinion, of not remaining as gentle in our love as we were maybe when we were dating. Everybody good for that? Everybody good for that? Well, I'll tell you one, because she's changed. You know, she never gave me her mind, a piece of her mind while we were dating. But now every time I turn around, she's giving me a piece of her mind. I think the woman's crazy. I'm being real. The gentleness that's there, we need help. You see, if there's one thing 
that will keep a relationship alive. It's seizing a moment, a seizing a moment to exercise gentle love. You say, well, I've got a life to live. I've got this going on. I've got that going on. I've got to do this. The reality is pick those times when you can shift back to being that gentle love. You do something special. But here's what happens. Once we have gained the prize, once we have the possession, once we have, we no longer need the favor, you think that tax collector would say, okay, just 10% for you for a guy that he found out talked behind his back? He'd say, hey, it's 40% to you. I have, the, I have the authority to put anything that I want to there. But here's what we found out. One thing is needed. Mary has chosen the better. Gentle love, of course, is and fits the mold of 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. That's gentle love. It is long-suffering, patient, kind, never boils over, never rude, doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Jesus shared gentle love in John 8, verse number 7 through 11, when they brought the prostitute, the harlot, and said, we've got her, we've got her, we've got her, we caught her in the act. Here she is. Now, what are you going to do about it? And Jesus said, hey, he that's without sin, cast the first stone. And then he said to her, listen, woman. I know you've sinned, and I know by law you deserve to die. But your accusers are no longer here. Get up. Your sins are forgiven, and go on your way. Do you feel that expression? Do you know how that's found in relationships? You get to the place and you say, you know what? I blew up. I'm sorry. I know I said some things that hurt you, but I am sorry. First Thessalonians 3, 12. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours, ours does for you. And so Peter writes, now that you purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart, from the heart. And the person of gentle love is sensitive and secure and satisfied and sincere and unselfish. It's the same love that Stephen demonstrated as they pelted him with rocks. It was that gentle love. It was that love that says, I, listen, Father, don't keep this sin against them. Let, let, let the Spirit forgive him. Man, over in the shadows, over in the shadows was, was Saul, eventually the Apostle Paul, who heard that, and he could not get over it. Why? Because hot coals were dumped on his head. It's true in business relationships and in the church. And then thirdly, it's God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. The foundation of all love is God's love. God's love never changes, endures, is self-sacrificing. His love speaks loudly. In your worst sin, he says, I love you. Often we share strong words, words that often divide, words that destroy, words that curse, words that intimidate, disgrace, and hurt. 
those words that are there, but that will never come from the mouth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. His love is foundational and gives us the reason to build in our own humanity to secure his love. He says if you will find yourself in a place of sacrifice, especially when you're filled with the Spirit and especially when you've been redeemed by the love of God, behold, the old things, that thing that made you just pick and choose and want to slap and be rebellious, that caused you to be hateful and bitter, that life that you despise people. He said when you got saved, that stuff had an opportunity to be washed away. Now you're different. Demonstrate that godly love. Demonstrate that gentle love. And then he says, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and in his religion is worthless. So here's what he says, that one of the things that demonstrates what's in your heart is the mouth, the tongue. He said, so if you cannot control your tongue, you can't control your decision. You can't go, nope, not going there. I want to pull that sword so badly, but I know better. I'm not doing it. I know that I want to give them a piece of my mind, but I don't want to do that either. I know that according to the law, I ought to be able to go up to them. I mean, my Lord, have mercy. Did you see them? It was road rage from the start. I'm going after them. Don't do it. Don't do it. God's love will change your strong words of destruction into strong words of encouragement. And so now we can't pistol pack anybody. James 3, 2, we all stumble in many ways. Amen. And if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. But we know that no one is perfect and no one can keep their total body in check. So what do you do? You listen and you learn and you practice that big love from God, that, that gentle love that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And then here's what we know. Here's what we know that little by little faith and hope will become the attributes and you will learn what it means to be loved. If you want someone to love you a certain way, love them that way. Well, I tried that and they didn't reciprocate. Love them anyway until their death. Are you with me? Love them anyway. Why? Because it gives you a clean heart to be able to manage the problems that a bruised person has to face. Heavenly Father, thank you for your abundant blessing. Thank you tonight for this wonderful congregation. We look to you and we ask you, would you speak to us through the precious Holy Spirit? God, would you give us the wisdom and guidance that only comes from you? And now, Lord, we praise you. Would everyone stand here? And let's pray this prayer just in case. And those of you online, would you repeat this prayer right where you are? Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I ask you to forgive me 
I've had challenges and I've been convicted and I need your help. So Lord Jesus, I admit my sin. I admit my weakness and I'm asking you to help me. I will stand strong and I will honor you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So here's what we know. We know that this message is the truth. You believe that? Say amen. So what do we do with it? Well, you can chunk it. You can leave here and say, well, I like that part, but he doesn't really understand what he's talking about. He's, you know what? He's been preaching for 30-something years, and he just doesn't understand. Don't even go there. Don't you make me want to hate you. Listen, this message works. And it's that practical living that we talked about tonight that makes life more enjoyable. And then do this. If you really want to try to do it right, get you an accountability person, maybe the person you're married to, and say, would you help me keep accountable to maintaining that love for other people? Well, the person that I have the most problem with is the person that I'm, you know, that I'm married to. How are they going to keep me accountable? Well, don't you decide to be their accountability partner unless they want you to, okay? Because they will really not like you then. Just make it a matter of prayer and say, God, I'm going to be sweet. How many of you men out there think you can be sweet? May I see? Oh, yeah, I knew some of you raised your hand like this, and others of you that got pride, you went straight up here. Oh, Lord, be sweet. Isn't that right, Brother Ortegas? Be sweet. Yeah, be sweet as sugar. If you need prayer, whatever reason, Paul Fight, raise your hand, people know you, has virtually had a miracle had a miracle of God. I got a call or a text or someone came to me, some form of communication. The Wednesday night that we had the prayer time, the lady called and said, we pray for her eyesight. And she said, I'm here to tell you, my eyesight has dramatically improved since that night by the grace of God. So next Wednesday night, we're going to have another time of prayer. On your prayer list, remember Turkey, remember Syria, remember the Kurds. That is a big, big, big deal. One day, Syria, Turkey, all of them will come against Israel. Iraq, Iran, all of them. But right now, the Kurds have been an ally, and Turkey has been an ally. And we need to pray that God will give leadership in America the wisdom because you can read it right here in the Bible before today was ever born. So if you need prayer in your body, you need healing, you need anointing, you come down and we're going to sing this song and give you a chance to say, I just want to bring myself to the altar. I want to be anointed. I want to be prayed for. I want to be healed by the grace of God. And we'll give the benediction in just a moment. Here we go. Hallelujah. 
you'll be praying for pray seriously for turkey syria the kurds don't just pass by that really pray god have your divine will that's important also remember sunday morning a new message at the table god help us and then sunday night go ahead and make your plans you know go ahead and make your plans to be here and bring somebody with you pray tell bring them with you it's an unusual time together father now bless the greatest church ever and touch these precious people. God, we pray you give wisdom and guidance and anointing. Keep them safe in the name of the Lord. Let us be ambassadors of grace to everyone that we know. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, everybody, and God bless. To be my blessed Savior, I surrender.